Does Google kind of like freak you out? Oh, dude, 100%. And I'll tell you right now, like our business revenue's down because Google's down. Can't envision a world where I would want to watch an imaginary person tell me about personal finance or something. Like I got more publicity myself than my publisher did. Speaking of the Fed, I was going to ask you about that. Are we hitting the soft landing? Welcome to the money shop. Okay, you just brought up karaoke. Go ahead and tell me what you were going to tell me about karaoke. Well, so every year on my birthday, we go to this really dive bar for karaoke. Um, and pretty much anytime I go to a conference, we do karaoke. Um, and so I was, I was saying, I'm going to sing, uh, I love the sublime poster there. I'm going to do what I got mm. by sublime. It was a very, uh, uh, a song that resonated with me when I was a kid younger. <laughs> yeah. So karaoke sublime. Um, so I used to hate karaoke. Like really, I, I was like terrified of it and I don't know why. I think it was just more of like, I'm a pretty, like, I'm naturally pretty like, uh, introverted. And so the idea of like getting up in front of a bunch of people and singing is like terrifying to me. But then we did it that time in Vegas. Um, the last time we went and it was like, I'd never been to like a place like that where it was like, I didn't realize there are places where you can like all sit in a room together and like do bottle service and stuff. And like, cool. I always imagined it was just like you in front of like a hundred people in a bar. Right. And it's not like, that. or is it like that sometimes? It was my it's experience. It's like that a different. lot of times. Yeah. But the private okay. karaoke room is the way to go. Oh dude, it was so much fun. So now it is like a tradition, like for our company to do karaoke together. So like now I look forward to it. Like I am pushing to go to the karaoke place because I'm like, we got to do this. And my number one song is, uh, is Santeria Sublime. No way. Like a, it fits. I don't know something about it. fits like yeah. my voice really well. And, uh, that and Brandy, you know, that song, the like sure old school, uh, I'll send it to you. Um, so yeah, now every time we do a company retreat, like we're doing, we're doing karaoke, but we don't even do it like uh fancy. We just go, we literally just like, we rent a house and then we just do it. We like download a TV program or whatever and do it, right. like, you know, with like a hairbrush or whatever. It's totally ridiculous, but it's so much fun. Oh um, dude. Well, my practicing, I literally practice in my office with a TV and YouTube up with the karaoke <laughs> lyrics going. So like, I'm with you, man. Yeah. Uh, is karaoke something this is, we're going to talk about money at some point is karaoke something that you like, how did you get into karaoke? Cause you are into it more than most, most people that I've ever met. Yeah. Well, when I was younger, so I grew up kind of on, I would say like the lower income side of things. Mm -hmm. So there were like a few ways to, in my mind at the time to break the poverty cycle. One of them is acting, which I tried. Okay. Another one is sports. Okay, uh, I did. Yeah. So I was in an MTV commercial in, uh, what was it like 2000 for music life television? Wow. Um, and then I, and then I, I tried sports. I was not good at sports. Um, I mean, I'm okay, but I'm definitely not professional level. Right. Yeah. Um, and then music, I love music. And so, um, which is funny because you're the guy with all the music on the background and I've got like this random <laughs> right. stuff back here. Um, but I, it was like, okay, I wanted to be like a rock star. That was my thing, right? So I tried that for a while. Didn't work out. Um, wow. It's it's it, it's interesting. Like it's almost like a marriage when you have like band members, right? Like you right. really have to jive. Otherwise, there's no synergy. It just doesn't take off. You know. So you were in a band. I was. Yeah. You have, dude. You have like the the least direct path to personal finance influencer <laughs> <laughs> like that I've heard so far. Because uh, I was going to ask you because I, I actually don't. It's funny. I've known you for a while now. I don't actually know how you got into what you're currently doing like i 
I mean, I looked, I did like research before we came on the podcast and stuff, but okay. So you were trying to, you were trying to get rich being a band member. Yeah. Well, it's like, do something that you're passionant about, make money at it. Right. Yeah. Um, never made a, never made a dime with it. Um, <laughs> but I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Um, and so, you know, I went to college and decided to, you know, figure out I'm going to major in business and philosophy. And when, when I graduated college, I got into sales um, and I was a hundred percent commission. Oof. And so you got to, I, I see your eyes going there. Like, well, I just, no, I just, I know that that kind of sucks, but I, I think about that. And I was like, I've hired hundred percent commission salespeople. It's just a tough way to make a living. I feel like, unless you're really good at it. Well, dude, and it was during the recession. So yeah. like the, the economy dried up. I'm a hundred percent. I'm like, it's like, there's nothing to, there's nothing to go out and hunt for right now. You know? So it was, it was tough times, but I learned a lot from it, but that's when my wife and I got married. And when we got married, we realized, oh man, we got a ton of debt. Like she's got student loans. I've got student loans. I've got a car loan. We've got credit card debt. Like we got to figure this out. So that's kind of how everything started off. So you went from, oh, okay, that's right. And you paid off a bunch of debt, right? Like you paid off a bunch of, was it just credit? Like it was credit card consumer, no student loans. It, yeah, it was student loans too. It was consumer debt, $52,000 outside of mortgage debt that we paid off in 18 months. Dang. Had to, what did you... That's actually like very similar to my story. Like I did forty thousand dollars in eighteen months as a no teacher. No way. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, in the eighteen. It's funny because like I, I, I feel like this stuff used to matter more. Do you feel like um, like I feel like if my story, I started blogging in twenty fifteen, and I feel like my story, if I came out with it now, like I don't think anybody would give a shit. If like mm -hmm. I was like I paid off forty grand in eighteen months, like I don't think that that story has any legs now but like back then it was like i got on cnbc and like business insider you know all those all those stories like or features like you've gotten before like do you think that, that those stories are impressive anymore i think they are to a certain audience right i think you're right i think there's the people that graduate to like the fire right you're like oh i'm not right. worried about the debt anymore i want to know about the guy that retired by 35 and then the guy that retired by 32 and you know it's like that yeah. moving needle or whatever um, yeah, now but, I feel like it's like you've got to be super rich, super young. <laughs> like I feel like, and I don't know if it's just easier to to do that now, but I've put a lot of thought into that because I remember like uh, Grant um, Sabati, he's going to come on the podcast in I don't know a couple months or what, no, in a month, um, and uh, like his was like became a millionaire at thirty, and he had a his story is great. Like he he I don't know if he like the way he tells the story is so good. Cause like he started with like $2 and then like got to a million dollars in X amount of time. But even that story now, I feel like maybe it was just the pandemic or something. It was like 20 year olds are becoming rich so much faster. It's like, you see 20 year olds that are worth like a hundred million dollars or whatever. I just made that one up. Right. But it just seems like that's accelerated a lot. Yeah. I think it's much more of a creator economy. Right. So I think with like TikTok and YouTube and blogging and all the different avenues that people can make money, uh, I just think it's, it's a time where people can expedite their wealth fast, you know, where even 10 years ago, I started in 2010. So to, about 13 years ago, like TikTok didn't exist, right? Like yeah. YouTube was barely getting off the ground, you know, like, um, it's, so it's, it's like, now it's just like, this is, this is what the world we live in. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Who was I thinking about the other day? I think another good example of that is, uh, Tori Dunlap. Yeah. Um, cause that was during the pandemic. I feel like she, she blew up during the pandemic and like, you know, I think her story was like, became a, a millionaire or multimillionaire at like 28. I've just seen so many of those stories. And I think that, yeah, I think you're totally right. Like that is exactly what it is. It's just the, the pandemic her, like accelerated that with the creator economy. Her first thing though, was her first hundred K. 
So if right. you think about it, that's a smaller step that I think a lot of people can relate to. You're like, oh yeah. I mean, I million dollars seems so far off, but a hundred thousand, right. like I could see a path to that, you know? So I think she started there and then it kind of progressed. Yeah. Did you ever do uh, did you ever do income reports? Yeah. Like did, did um would you still do those? I've thought about it. Um my income's definitely different than it used to be. Uh and so I I, I mean I, more from a privacy standpoint, like a like sharing the numbers kind of thing. Cause I used to do it and now it yeah. freaks me out to do it. Yeah. I it doesn't freak me out. I the, you know, I think I learned from Pat Flynn where it was like the value of income reports for me were inspiration. Like I remember looking at smart passive income when I was working a W2 job and I was like, dude, this guy's making 10 grand a month from selling PDFs of his architecture course or whatever. I'm like, right. I, could, I could do that. Not, I mean, not architecture, but I could figure something out. Um, so, but then once you start getting to like 50, a hundred grand a month, it's like, I think that starts to be a little bit more, well, I, that doesn't seem realistic for me that guy has some special sauce. I don't, I can't duplicate that. So it's right. a little bit more of a distance from the audience. Um, and yeah. so it's kind of like, I think the idea is, is like, can you make six figures to seven figures on an online business and replace your full-time job? Heck yes, you can. Right. Right. Um, and you know, there's plenty of people, you and I are, you know, are examples of, of being able to do that. Um, and so it's less about like the monthly numbers and more about like, what's the path to freedom, you know? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. I just, for some reason, I don't know if it's when I had a kid and it's, I'm saying this stuff, like you can still go find that information. It's not like I'm, it's like super private or anything anymore. I just remember like I was doing the income reports and then I think 2018 when I started laptop empires, like the numbers changed drastically because like before, you know, before I was doing pretty good, I was doing like $10,000 a month. And, um, but then it, then it went up and then I all of a sudden got like extremely uncomfortable with it. And I was like, just like looking for any excuse I could to like stop doing them because I was like, I don't feel comfortable sharing this information anymore. And I don't know if that's like, if I should feel uncomfortable about it or not. But then I also felt like friends like treat, like it's kind of weird, you know, like it's a little awkward. Um, and so then I stopped doing them. Did you stop? What, what time did you, when did you stop doing them? I want to say it's probably been like four years or something like that. Yeah. It's probably uh, about the same for me. And, and I think, and I want to say like the last one that I had was like 16 grand or something. And, yeah. and then I was like, after that, and it started going up and you're like, I, I felt like there's a diminishing return of value. And I also, this is kind of interesting. I had a guy reach out onto me on, on Instagram asking me for money. And that's when right. I was like, to your point, when you put it publicly out there, there is a perception now, right? Even if you have a friend that's a lawyer or a doctor, you don't know exactly how much money they make, right? And so yeah. you're not like, hey, can I go have some money? But if someone's like publicly like, hey, I make X. And they're like, well, they don't need X. They only need this much to live on. Well, <laughs> maybe I can ask them for some money, right? So yeah, there is some weird stuff that came along with that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, what I mean, you've kind of transitioned more to like video now, right? Like obviously like you still have Wellcup Wallet and I'll do like an intro before before we, you know, this goes live and everything. So people know who you are, but like, um, I mean, are you, I've seen you just so much more active on video and I'm going that same way too. Like, is that, was that like an intentional decision you made to like, just start putting yourself out there more? Yeah, for sure. So I've always enjoyed video. The problem is I've never, um, you know, the blog for me was really the way that I made money. So it was like, I just put the resources and the time behind what was providing revenue and growing the business. 
now I just see the writing on the wall with AI. I see the, you know, content seems to be becoming a commodity now. Like, dude, I've watched right. some videos where I'm like, these guys are literally taking our content, copying and pasting it into ChatGPT and saying, rewrite this article. And then they're just putting, and, and they're saying, proofread it and do all this stuff. And they're going to outrank us or, you know, like potentially. And I'm, and so, yeah. so for me, it was like, okay, they can't replace Bobby. They can't replace me as a personality. Right. right? And people don't want to watch AI talking heads, at least not yet. Um, Maybe not so, yet. So I think, I think there's, there's a future there, right? Where it's like people listen to the Joe Rogan podcast because it's Joe Rogan. They know what to expect, et cetera. Um, And so I'm by no means a Joe Rogan, but I'm just saying there's personalities, (laughs) I think is what drives people to listen and watch certain content. Um, And so that's something that I think is going to do really well in the future. And that's why we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a ton of sense. And I, man, yeah, the AI stuff, like I feel like I had, everybody has a different opinion on it. I had Robert Farrington on. Um, and he was like, he's not concerned about it at all. He, or I don't know if he is now, but at the time we did the podcast, he was like, no, it's not a big deal. Like just a language learning model. Then I had Steve Chu on and Steve is like very concerned about it. And I feel like everybody's got kind of a different take. Um, but I'm not comfortable with it. I I'm, I'm not comfortable. It's not even AI. I just Google in general freaks me out. Like having, like having Google as a main traffic source, like, especially like, I feel like recently there's been a lot of algorithm updates and, uh, and I think it's just like, you just never really know if you're going to be, if, a, if, an, if like a core algorithm update comes out and you're going to be like in great shape or if it's going to like screw you. So that freaks me out a lot. So like diversifying the, the video stuff has been pretty big and like diversifying the paid is, uh, paid advertising has been big for us too. Like, do you feel the same way about it? Like does Google kind of like freak you out? Oh dude, hundred percent. Like yeah. we, we've gone from, 1.2 million visitors a month to 1 million a month to 800,000 to 600,000. Right. I mean, it's just like, it, it keeps, we're at, I think we're at 200,000 now. I'm like, I could have never fathomed a world where this was the case Yeah, um, because it just seemed like, I don't know. It felt like it was a more level playing field, maybe not as saturated. So it was right. like, Hey, there's plenty for everybody to be able to write quality content, rank, uh, move around, you know, top 10 positions, but everybody's doing well. But eventually it's like, you got the bank rates, the nerd wallets, the Forbes, the business insiders. And then now you've got the video box, the people also ask box. You've got Google yeah. answering everything in the first, you know, section with all the different responses. Right. Yeah. And so it's like the search is so different now. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. That, that freaks yeah. me out for sure. It scares me. Yeah. I I'm going to, it's going to be interesting to talk to Grant about it when he comes on because he's got, he owns uh, MMG media and like they, they are scaling organic search sites like they're that's like their their thing so maybe he has a like he probably i mean you know grant he's super smart he probably has some you know awesome explanation for how <laughs> how it's all going to work out yeah but it just it does freak me out a little bit um but i do think like the youtube stuff too it's like what if they larry talks about larry ludwig talks about this all the time where it's like the talking head videos like you're, you're gonna be able to fake those pretty pretty soon like, does that concern you at all uh, potentially i mean i don't know man like when i watch creators uh, I'm trying to think of a good one. I mean, Mr. Beast is not a good example uh, because he's kind of, I would say he's an anomaly, right? Um, right. But I would just say people that put together really quality content are going to succeed, right? So, I mean, if someone does it with AI, great. But I think it, for me, it's like, I think where AI is helpful is in the editing phase, right? There's there's software where it will literally cut out all the ums and ahs for you without yeah. all you have to do is click a button, you know? And it's like, that's amazing when you can have AI help you with the process. So I think I'm embracing it from that standpoint. Um, 
I don't know. I don't think I can't envision a world where I would want to watch an imaginary person <laughs> tell me about personal finance or something. I don't know. I don't know either, man. I don't know. Yeah, that's I've thought about that too. I feel like we have more time with that. Like I feel like if Google's gonna completely go away. Oh, sorry, I got something in my eye. I feel like if Google's gonna like go away or become ineffective or like impossible to rank for, like that's probably happening quickly. Mm-hmm. Or it just seems because I do agree, man. Like you see Forbes. I don't know, people that are watching this probably don't know like a ton about, you know, about how this stuff works, but Forbes has like a trash user experience. Like you get on there and it's like more ads than I've ever seen. And like, I write for Forbes, like I, you know, it's, but it's like, man, you get on there and it's hard to look at the articles, but they rank number one for like everything right now, you know, and it's in the bigger sites, the bank rates and all of that. And you just have this kind of like concentration of like all of the, the high volume keywords with all the search, like are going to these, it's just the richer getting richer, you know? it's harder to find pockets to compete in, but I, yeah, I guess that's probably not going to happen with video. I would think unless like, it would be crazy if like Forbes comes out with like a fake person, <laughs> like that like ranks for everything, you know? Well, I could totally, you know how people do like experiments on YouTube. So I could mm-hmm. totally see someone saying, Hey, I'm going to create an AI persona and I'm going to make 10 videos with that persona. And my goal is to get 10,000 subscribers in the first 90 days or whatever. And they're yeah. going to do it like it's going to happen. And it's going to be like the, then everybody's going to create a video on how to make money using AI heads without uh, having your own face on YouTube or whatever. You know? I hate that. Oh God. It's just changing so fast. It, it is wild. Like you came into it in 2010, which was probably nice. Cause there probably wasn't a lot like it was 2020. That was pretty early in blogging. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, wasn't a ton nerd wallet, nerd, nerd wallet was 2009. Penny oh, order wow. was 2011. So everything was like just getting off the ground in that time frame, right? There was not a lot of competition. Um, I mean, you had guys like, you know, Jim Wang, but, you know, mm-hmm. he was out of the game, I think, uh, by that time. And then, um, you know, JD, you know, get rich slowly. But, you know, his stuff, he wasn't writing it to rank. He was writing it because he enjoyed it and, you know, thought it would be helpful. And so um, it, it was just a very different landscape back then. Yeah. Even when I came back at like when I came in in 2015, who was it? It was uh financial, uh, Sam financial samurai. Yeah. Remember he was kind of getting a little, a little bigger. Um, I came in because, uh, Jay money from budgets are sexy who I had on the podcast and he's like the, he's the best podcast interview ever. Um, but I saw him and then I saw like Aaron Lowry from broke millennial. And then like you fast forward to now and it's like, it's so much different. Like now it's like mostly feels like mostly like TikTok influencers or Instagram influencers. I guess YouTube people too. Like, where do you think it's all going? This is what I wanted to ask you because like you've been in the personal finance game so long. Like, where do you think it's all going at some point? Is it all going to go to influencers? Is it something else happening? Like, is ChatGPT going to like take out the personal finance influencer world? Like, what do you think? No, I think, I think it's going to go to personalities. I mean, if you think about it over, over like time, right? Let's just say back in, you know, I'm going to try to, I'm, I'm not really that old. But, um, you know, say like the 80s, right? Like yeah. you probably have, um, you know, influences. Actually, let's not do 80s because I'm not really, I, I couldn't tell you who the influencers were back then. But let's, <laughs> say like, let's say 90s, 2000s, you know, like you have Clark Howard, Susie Orman, um, Dave Ramsey, like even fast forward a little bit, you got Jim Cramer. Like you have these people that are like very recognizable. When, you, when I even say their names, I can kind of picture like, you know, Dave Ramsey is the debt guy. Jim Cramer is the investing guy, right? Like, yeah. and I think people are going to follow the, 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 
Bobby Hoyts or the Deacon Hayes that they resonate with that have right. that content, you know? Um, and so, dude, there's this guy, Sam, is it Sam Sulek? He's like oh, a, uh, the fitness guy. Yes. The uh, dude, I've been guy. seeing him in my feed so much and I'm like, yeah. it's driving me nuts, but I also watch it. So it's like totally my fault because yeah. it's, it's great content. Well, well, what's interesting about it is it's like, it's like reality TV, but it's not fake. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's like, it's an authentic reality TV. It's like, this is this guy's day and him talking and he has like 2 billion followers on YouTube at 20 years old or whatever, you know? I know. Um, and so I really do think that that, I think people are going gravitate to towards, gravitate towards influencers that they know, like, and trust. Um, and that's going to be more of a video experience, right? That's how, like right now we're having, we're, we're connecting right. better because of video versus if I'm emailing back and forth with you. Now you're really good about it because you use GIFs. And I don't know if you call them gifts or gifs, but um, dude, we have an internal company debate about that because okay. um, our Tom, our web developer, says gifs. Like he is, he is like that is the way to do it. And I, I think it's gifs. But anyway, yeah. that's like, that's something. Of, like Jiffy debate. Lube is gif. Jiffy Lube, right? Yeah, right. Gift, yeah. gift, gif. Like I know, I no, know. I, I'm yeah, I'm on the same page. I to me, it should be gif, but I don't know. The, all the developer people say that it's gif, and I think that that's stupid. So, but my point with that is, is that in email or in Facebook, your communication style is more visual than mm -hmm. words, right? And I think, yeah. this, I think moving forward, that's where things are going. Yeah, that's 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 a good point. That's probably true. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm in. I don't. When did you write your book? I want to give your book a shout out. Um, 2000, 2017. 2017. Okay. Um, yeah, I saw you tweet about it the other day. Um, like, was that process? Like, is that something you want to do more of? Like write more books and like, you know, if you're talking about like kind of building a personal brand, like what yeah. do you, how do you so, think about that? What's crazy is I have another book written that um, I've never published and um, it's called Money Mind Shift. And what, so coming from like a poor upbringing, I, I didn't have a mentality of like becoming a millionaire. Like that seemed impossible, right? And so there had to be a shift in my mindset of like, well, wait a second, that is possible. And if it is possible, what are the steps to get there? So um, yes, I don't know why I haven't published it yet, to be honest with you. Um, I, was I, the first I, one worth it? Sorry to interrupt, but was the first one worth it? Like, did you feel like, okay, I did this and like, this was a great investment so, or? Well, no. So mine was a really weird deal. Um, Jeff Rose had already written a book and he was approached by a publisher to write another book. And he's like, I don't want to do it. Um, so he's like, Deacon, would you want to write this book about, uh, you know, retiring early? And I'm like, heck yeah, I would love to, you know, the problem with that is it was less personality driven mm. when you work with a publisher. That's like, Hey, we're going to give you a publishing deal. Here's our expectations. Um, it wasn't like sprinkling your personality and, you know, your view, like it was very much like, Hey, no, we want an authoritative guide on retiring early. And that's pretty much it. Now I was able to push back and get a little bit. So I think that's why it wasn't exciting for me. I felt kind of like a cog in a wheel, you know? Yeah. That's kind of weird. Versus being like, Hey, I, I feel, I feel like some people like grants or even like Aaron Lowry, right? Like if you have like a message that you want to give to the world and a story that you want to share, like I could see people being passionate about it and be like, I want to go do book signings and I want to meet people and I want to tell mm. more people. Um, don't get me wrong. I think my book is great and I think it helps people, but yeah. I think it just, it kind of soured my view of like, oh, that as being a way to 
you know, further reach people and make, make money and that kind of thing. So did you do any like promotion of it? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I know shockingly little about how these book deals work, but like, I know like when Grant went through that process or Aaron or whatever, it's like you write the book and then all of a sudden the, the publisher is really like pushing you out to all the different, like the CNBCs and the, and so you see like the people that wrote the book, like right before the book launch, like get a lot of publicity. Like, yeah. was that kind of a similar situation with you? So unfortunately I got more public, like I got more publicity myself than my publisher did. Oh. So that was, but cause being part of the FinCon community, I could just email someone and be like, Hey Joe, can I be on stacking Benjamin? Sure. You know, can you talk about this? You know, um, yeah. I can, I, I can email tons of people and just say, Hey, I want to promote this. Um, I was supposed to be on like Oprah.com and then they canceled on me on the last minute or whatever. And I was like, Dang. So th- there was, there was so many things where I had higher expectations for the book launch. Um, also the other thing is, um, the, the company that actually was my publisher was called Adams media group. So they're like a small independent publisher. Now they got acquired by Simon and Schuster, which is awesome because now I'm an author under Simon and Schuster. However, they didn't, they didn't have the, like the budget and the publishing like resources. So that's the other thing. So if, if, if like you ever do want to write a book, like obviously the better the publisher, the more relationships, the more reach it's going to get. Yeah. Um, so I think that was part of the, the, the challenge there. Yeah. I, yeah. It's something, it's interesting. I've, I, dude, I didn't even know what I want, what I would want to write a book about until more recently. And I'm curious if this, if the same thing happened with you, I very much, uh, when I started my blog, I was like, uh, I don't know, man, I was kind of a jerk. <laughs> like I was like really judgy and like, uh, you need to do this with your money and you need to save like this. And then as I started to like learn more about personal finance and learn like that, you know, my, my experience was just like one small experience and like the many possibilities that somebody can kind of go through when they like how they grow up or whatever. Then I, then I became like less confident about like being a personal finance guru. Cause I was just like, I, man, I know so little, like I know how to pay off debt. It, and this was, you know, several years ago. It's like, I know how to pay off debt by being like super cheap and like living this, like really like kind of kind of terrible lifestyle of like not ever buying anything for myself or any of that. And then as I started to make more money, then I was like, Oh wait, there's like a better way (laughs) to do this. And like my whole mindset has changed it, but it took me, it's taken me the better part of like seven or eight years to be like, okay, this is what I want to help people with, which really for me is just helping people make more money and start like their own freelancing business and just like leave jobs they hate and stuff. Was it the same for you? Or did you come out like just knowing exactly like the message that you wanted to get out to people? Well, I think originally I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to help people get out of debt. And so my upbringing was my parents got divorced um, and they both had their houses foreclosed on and they both filed bankruptcy separately. So like my parents were horrible with money, right? So I'm like, I'm never going to let that happen to my family, right? I'm going to make sure that that is not going to run our life like that. Um, And so for me, it was just a passion of like, Hey, consumer debt is just one. It's like your foot's in the door, right? But the, the challenge is, is like, well, then my mom got a home equity line on her house and then the market crashed. And so now her house that was worth $400,000 is now worth 200,000. And now she's not making as much money as she used to make. And so it was like, okay, so it was kind of like, okay, if I could help people understand all of these like pitfalls and things to look out for, I could help them avoid them. Or if they're in them, I could help them get, create a path out. Um, so that was kind of the, the, the message. And I think I'm still there, but I use credit cards. Like I'm not, I'm not a full Dave Ramsey, you know, nerd. Like I, I use credit <laughs> yeah. cards. I use points to go places. Like 
Um, but debt to me is like a huge, just debilitator for most people. And that's something I really want to help them get out of. So, yeah, you paid off your house a couple of years ago, right? Yeah. I, I think COVID, because I remember I didn't want to share it. I was like, ah, <laughs> it feels like, like you're like, yeah, everybody's doing really bad right now. I don't know if I want to like <laughs> boast about this, but then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to share. This is what we did. And hopefully it inspires people that like, this is possible. But yeah, it was, it was, uh, I think about three or four years ago. Yeah. I think that's interesting because you probably, I'm guessing you had a really low interest rate. It's, oh, yeah. I feel like the, the, the general narrative, especially when we were in this just like super low interest rate environment was like, don't pay off your house. And honestly, that's like, that was, I have a really low interest rate on my house. So I was like, I'm not paying this off. Um, but now we're probably going to end up moving and probably going to be, you know, I don't know what kind of loan we would actually be getting for the house, but it's, it would be way higher. So now I'm kind of like, well, maybe I'll just try to pay it off as soon as I could, you know, like, but you did that at a time where people were generally saying like, that's not good advice. So like, what was it about the house? Like, was it just because you're an entrepreneur? Like, what was it that made you go like, I need to pay this house off? Yeah. Well, there's two things. One is my upbringing, right? So knowing that my mom, like the house I grew up in got foreclosed on and my mom no longer owns it. Right. Like that was a huge motivating factor of like, it's not a, it's not a numbers thing, right. Necessarily. It's more of a, I don't want to have that ever happen to my family. Right. Um, but the second part of it is if you think about how much money do you need to have invested so that you can take 4% from it and be able to make that payment, right? So let's just say on every 100,000, you're going to make $4,000, right? Well, dude, my mortgage payment now with house prices or whatever with the interest rate would be like four or five grand right. a month, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so let's do the math. So you're like, okay, so I would need to have, you know, a million to $2 million invested just so I can make my mortgage payment, yeah. you know? And so, so it's like, that's another part of the equation. I think a lot of people don't think about is like, no, how much money would I need to have invested so that I can make my actual mortgage payment? Well, why don't I just pay it off? And then I don't need to have that extra money in the, yeah. bank account, you know, did you have anybody talking crap? Like saying like, Oh, you're so dumb for paying all your paying your house off. Not that I can remember. I'm sure there's been some like weird, like I probably had some comments like, why would you pay off? I think it was like 3%, right? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I would just explain like, you know, number one, like we don't need to invest more money. We're doing okay there. You know, number two, it's like that peace of mind of just not having to, to, to have to make that mortgage payment. And I'll tell you right now, like our business revenue is down because Google's down and it's a nice place to be, to be like, I have no mortgage payment. So it doesn't really affect us that much because our our biggest cost is like groceries, you know? I mean, yeah, it's a pretty sweet place. No, that is pretty sweet. And I, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot too. Like I don't, you know, we've got paid off car. The only, the only debt that we have is the, uh, the home loan It's low interest rate. But like, um, as I've been like hiring more people, um, yeah, like hiring more people, growing the business and all that stuff. Like I've really been like, man, I just need to, I probably should just pay this out. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to make sure that like, it's like, as I've made more money, I'm trying to make sure that my costs are lower. <laughs> like my living expenses are lower because I'm just like, I think it's just, you start to get a little bit more of like, man, if there was something bad that happened, like I would rather be in a really awesome position where I don't, you know, it doesn't matter how much money is coming in. Right. So I, so I think that is, and I, it's funny cause I had a friend years ago um, when I first started my business, he was like, he had paid off a bunch of commercial real estate that he had. 
or maybe not a bunch. He had paid off commercial real estate. He had paid off his house. And his advice to me was like, you need to pay off all that stuff as soon as you could. And I remember being like, no, nah, dude, the interest rates are so low. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And now that I'm a little bit older, I'm like, mm, yeah, I can see exactly why you did that, you know? Um, but yeah. And so and how, for you with the business, you know, so business revenue is down, you're diversifying, like what's your longer term goal with the business? Like you've been doing well kept well for a long time. Like where, where do you, where are you trying to take it now? Yeah, it's, uh, I would say more of a brand, right? And I think that seems kind of cliche, but that's like, I, I think the reality is, is before, you know, with a content site, you know, you have a brand, we have a brand, right? Like you have Mon right. Millennial Money Man, Well-Kept Wallet. But I don't, I mean, if someone was to see me on the street, they don't know what that is, right? For the most part. If right. I go to FinCon, I'm like a mini celebrity. But if I, if, you know, <laughs> but if I'm like, if I'm in my, in my neighborhood, people don't even know what a blog is, you know? And yeah. so- um, so I think there's a little bit more of like, well, how do you create a brand that's recognizable and, and people associate something with it. Right. Um, and hopefully good stuff like Deacon helps people get out of debt and achieve financial freedom. Uh, how does he do that through uh, his podcast and videos on YouTube that spread out to the other channels, you know? Um, and so it's like, that's kind of the direction it's less about, Hey, what can I write? That's going to rank in Google. And it's like, no. Who could I have on the show that's going to impact my audience? Um, who can I learn from that that I know my audience is going to learn from? What can I share um, that's really going to benefit people to you know have a better life? And so I think that's that's more the direction I'm going. Do you ever get worried? Because I get worried about this. Do you ever get worried about like you being like such a big part of the brand? Like because uh, you know like if you're building something like a Dave Ramsey or Susie Orman or whatever, like do you ever get concerned about just like? you having to be front facing or do you like that? Uh, I, I don't. So it's interesting because I would call myself like a hybrid between introvert and extrovert. Um, yeah. Dude, if I go to FinCon, it's just so much input and so much people time that I need like a two or three hour, like break in the middle of the day where I go yeah. back to the hotel room and I'm like, let me just disconnect. But I yeah. love being around people. Right. So I'll just say, I enjoy the video aspect of it. I mean, there's definitely a grind to it. I mean, you know, you're like adjusting the camera and the lights and then a light dies in the background and you're like, you know, it's not like yeah. just easy peasy, but I think the reality is, is like, I do enjoy that part of it. However, um, are you familiar with niche pursuits? Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So Spencer is done a great job of hiring a host for the niche pursuits podcast. And so it was, it's like a, it's a window into the potential future to answer your question of, Hey, Spencer, for a long period of time, this was his podcast. It was all about, you know, him, his studies. And then eventually he's like, no, I could just hire someone that could do it. And in fact, it's growing and he has somebody else hosting yeah. his own podcast. And so um, I think there's a future where that could be the case. Right. I think yeah. I'm just a conduit right now because I'm I have experience and knowledge and I'm, I'm motivated to do it. But at some point I feel like I probably could hire someone under the well-kept wallet umbrella where it's more difficult is if your brand is SusieOrman.com or, or Clark.com, like it's hard to be like, Oh, well, here's Joe. You know, you're like, well, who's Joe? I'm here for Clark, you know, right. or Susie or whatever. Yeah. No, I saw a video of, of Dave Ramsey talking about that the other day. Cause like, his company's Ramsey Solutions. It's the Dave Ramsey Show, and like they've been systematically over a period of, I guess, years now, introducing new hosts. Like trying to get they they track their like Dave revenue. Um, I think he said it was like for a period of time it was like 
the majority was him or then it turned into like 78% him. But now it's like, they've brought on all these other hosts and he is a minority, like mm. part of what drives revenue for that company, which I thought was really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's probably, probably the best way to go, but you got to find, you got to find good people. Um, are you, do you have employees or do you have you ever hired employees or, or do you go the all contract route? Like how do you? How yeah. Do you do I, I used to have employees. Now that's all now subcontractors. Do you, because I talked to different, I, I typically ask that question a lot because I just like, I've always been fascinated with like, there is, there are a lot of people in the, in this space that really don't want to have employees. And I was that person for like so long. Uh, I was like, I don't want employees. Like it's too much headache. And then I've hired employees. I'm like, Oh, this is so much better. But like, do you enjoy the contractor thing or do you like, did you enjoy having employees more? Like which way did you go? Uh, I definitely enjoyed having contractors more. Interesting. So, See, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So but, but what I found, and this is for me, so this is my personal experience is like when I had employees, I felt like I was looking for work for them to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, so it's like, I'm trying to, I'm kind of trying to fill hours in a day with stuff to do versus mm. what I feel like uh, in independent contractors are very efficient. It's like, no, you just do the work that's needed to get done. Nothing more, nothing less. And then in fact, a lot of them have capacity for more. So it's like, so if I do end up, you know, if, if Google does a Google algorithm update and I can publish more content, then like, Hey, okay, now I can pay you more. I can give you more work and you, you can, you know, hire more writers. And, um, and so I, I personally like that. I also like the freedom that it allows. So like my main blog manager, she just was in Italy and she like, she's just doing all this stuff to where like, she's not handcuffed to my business. Yeah. It's like she can still live her life and do what she wants to do and not have to ask for permission. Like, I don't know. It just, it, it just works out better for kind of the way that I run my business. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's so funny. Cause like, I, I think Robert Farrington had a probably very similar answer. I think I asked him that question, but I've just, yeah, a lot of people have really done well with contractors and I just really sucked at it. Like I just, for some reason, like I was not able to like get contract. I would always get like kind of annoyed that they wouldn't lean in more. But like, yeah. why would they? They're con they're contractors. Like, they're not. That's right. why they're contractors. They don't want to lean in right. more. Um, so that's why I started hiring employees because I was just like, I want people that are like in it with me. And that's I feel like, um, and I'm curious if you dealt with this too because like when I was just doing millennial millennial money man by myself, um, I was like kind of depressed to be honest mm -hmm. with you. Like it was kind of like I was like living that dream life. Like I was in coffee shops every day. And I was just like writing and sipping my coffee, and I'd be like, which coffee shop do I want to go to today? And then like after I don't know, like six months of that, I hated it. Um, right. and like, so what I found is like, but then it's like I, hiring contractors helped with that. And I was like happier, uh, cause I needed like the human interaction, I guess, but then it still wasn't like enough. Um, but I'm curious, like, did you have any experience like that? Like, was there ever a point where it was just you and your computer doing well cupped wallet? Oh yeah. Yeah. For a long time. And I mean, even it feels like that today with the contractors, right? Like my Julie's in Houston, my writers in other States, like we're not, we're not meeting on a regular basis, you know, like maybe Julie and I meet like twice a month on zoom, you know, that okay. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it does feel a little bit more like just me, you know? Um, but yeah, there, there was definitely a time where it was just me. Um, and I'm much, like I said, I'm much more extroverted. So that's totally difficult. Um, yeah. and I'm easily like sidetracked. So like it's, it's when I had an employee to your point, it was very good because like I had, like someone was coming in between this hour and this hour, I had an office like, okay, what do I want, you know, Christina to do today? Like, oh, 
well, she, she does graphic design. Let's have her make a t-shirt for FinCon. You know, <laughs> you're like, I don't need it, but you're right. like, Hey, it's something she could do. Um, and, and so, uh, but it, yeah, it was kind of more creative, more, there's a lot of, there are benefits to it for sure. Yeah. Would you ever do a business? Do you have any business stuff outside of the blogging? Like, do you have side stuff? Uh, I used to, I don't anymore. Would you do a business in a totally different industry is that now that you've been doing Because like 2010, like I feel like 13 years in the online world is like dog years. Like I think that's a long time because um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of on eight and I just feel like I've been doing this forever. Like have you ever thought about like going into a completely different business vertical that's not online? Yeah. So one thing that I've thought about, so my dad's a general contractor. Um, okay. And I've just thought about like we, we did a remodel at my house. So couple things I just want to be clear of. I am not a like handy person for the most part. <laughs> I'm not a design like, you know, type, but, but we took a jackhammer to, uh, to a, a fireplace and it was like one of the most exhilarating things, just dry, like just <laughs> destroying that thing. We took out three walls in the interior of my house and like taking sledgehammers to it. I'm like, I'm a great demo guy, right? Like, right. so I could see myself being like, Hey, I'm going to provide the capital. We're going to go buy this house that we're going to fix up and then potentially turn it into a rental. Um, so I think maybe instead of buying a business, I could see myself doing something like that if I had the yeah. right people to, to be able to do the work. Um, I have thought about like, I want to do something physical because like, mm. this is what I do all day. I sit in a chair, you know, it's like I, I loved, I used to work in an electronics store. And we had like a warehouse and you had to go back in the warehouse and you have to get a dolly and you'd have to load the TV or whatever onto it. And then you have to like take it out to someone's car. Like, I don't know. There's just something about doing something physically active that I miss uh, in work. And I, I just don't know what that would look like today though. Bro, that's why I got a, that's why I got the standing desk, yeah. <laughs> um, which is not a, not a real supplement for that. But like, I will say that, that that is something like, yeah, the physical part of it. It's funny. Everybody on the team is getting uh walking tread like the desk treadmills now yeah yeah like we're we're all doing standing desk and desk treadmills but i do think there is something to that because like i think that's one i i gained quite a bit of weight when i first started my online business which it wasn't something i would have thought would happen but you go from like i was walking i was a teacher so i was like walking a ton every day to like right. doing nothing yeah. um fortunately like i've lost pretty much all of that but it's like it there is something to there is like as much as the online business thing is very desirable. I think there's also like kind of, there's kind of some downsides to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think like, even like you think about like social media, like mental health, uh, because speaking of, of Tori, uh, I'd like to get her on the podcast at some point, but like, um, she blew up in a way that was like, um, seemed very quick, but the amount of like venom that she got, you know, or it seems like she got, and just other people like that, that are, that are influencers that really put themselves out there and get like heat. Like you go into some of those Reddit threads and it is bad. Like they are talking some crap. Um, like, is that something that you've ever dealt with? Because now that you're putting yourself out there a little bit more, like, have you ever like seen that downside of the online business? So yes, but here's where I've been a little bit more, like, I feel like in Tori's case, um, actually I can't speak for her. I'll just say for me, I'm, I, I don't like to cause controversy. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm much more like the pragmatic side of things of like, if someone's like, I want to use the debt avalanche to get out of debt. I'm like, 
okay. I mean, I'm, I like that snowball, but if you, if that works for you, go for it. Right. Yeah. Where Dave Ramsey be like, that's stupid. Just do the, that snowball. Like, yeah. I, and I think, I think there's people that are okay with controversy and they stick to a certain path and it does really well for them because it causes a lot of engagement. Um, yeah. So I've had some of that. Like I had this, I had this one TikTok video get like 600,000 views. And it was funny because um, it was about the, the stimulus checks. And mm -hmm. I said, the Biden administration. And as soon as I said that, right, like my thing is not political whatsoever. But right. like I had people being like, call him president, please. Like, <laughs> and, and then I'd have people like, Saying like he's not my president. I'm like, oh I don't even know God. what's happening right here. I'm just telling you this is what they passed and this is what you can expect. But like it's amazing how much controversy causes stuff to go viral and, and get engagement. And, yeah. and and so I've steered away from that just because I'm not trying to like go that route. Um, but it's it's mm. I, I yeah. have gotten and I never take it personally because because I've never really like saying this is the way you have to do it. And if you don't believe that you're stupid, um, I've just never done that. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more accepting yeah. that personal finance is personal and people are going to approach things differently, you know? Yeah. I see people doing it. God, there's a specific type of marketing that that's called. I can't remember what it's called though. It'll come to me right after we finish the podcast. Um, but where you do cause controversy to get clicks and everything. And I do think like, I've even seen like Ramit Sethi lean into that sometimes like where he like I think that happened during the pandemic he started like really leaning into the poli uh, political side of things and obviously like Dave Ramsey and all that like do you think not doing that has hurt your career because I I feel that way for me I feel like I am so I don't want to lean into that stuff because like I'm a nice person I like being nice to people um, and I it's hard for me to like just start, be a jerk just to get clicks not that everybody's a jerk but you know what I'm saying like have a strong right. stance to get clicks like do you think it's hurt you that you haven't done that I would say that it's held me back for sure. I don't know if I'd say it hurt me. I would say that it's held me back. And I think I had a buddy, he had this quote. He's like, uh, stand for something or you'll fall for anything. Right. Mm. And so I think there's this idea of like, at some level, we got to stand for something. And yeah. so for me, I do, I think I do get a little bit of flack from the debt side of things. Right. Because a lot of people think that you know, debt makes the world go round. And so they're like, I've got a loan on my car and I've got a, I've got student loans and I'll pay them off 30 years from now. I'm not worried about it because I can get 10% in the market. And, you know, so it's like, I definitely get a little bit of that because I've taken a stand on like, Hey, I'm debt free. And I prefer to be that way. And, and if yeah. you want to get out of debt, come to me, I'll tell, I'll help you get there, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, I think not being hard on certain things, I think, yeah, you know, it, people gravitate towards people that are like, dude, that guy said what I wanted to say, but I've never had the balls to do it, you know? Right. Um, and so I want to follow him because I like, you know, how he does things. And so um, I think I'm going to do a little bit more of that, you know, like okay. at least a little bit more pushing back, especially because I interview people on my podcast. Um, and some people like this guy was talking about kind of timing the stock market. You know, and I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. that can be risky, you know, like maybe that worked out for you. But if someone's listening to this, that could be detrimental if they pull out all their money because they think the, the stock market's going to go down. And then yeah. the Fed just said they're going to lower interest rates three times next year. And now the stock market's going to go up and they're going to miss out on that gain. You know, like yeah. I, I don't mess with that stuff. So, yeah, I feel like I, I need to find something to have a really strong opinion about. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I want, I feel like if I leaned into that stuff that I'd probably do pretty well with it, but I don't really have anything 
like usually when my brain goes like i can kind of i just see both sides of it I'm like yeah okay i can see why you think that I'm like i think this but yeah maybe i need to like manufacture some kind of thing to be pissed off about um speaking of the fed i was going to ask you about that what do you think are we are we hitting the soft landing how do you how do you feel about this whole well, situation dude i just heard about that i don't even know if it was, it was an email or a podcast or what but um i th- if they really do do that it makes total sense like the fact that they kept pushing rates up and put i'm like okay wages have not kept up with inflation yeah now you've got houses that are totally unaffordable i look all over like on zillow and stuff just to see what's going on like price cut price cut price cut like okay <laughs> well obviously people aren't buying homes right so yeah. your best bet is hey if you want to be able to you know kind of recover the economy and, and keep it going and not just be stagnant you got to lower rates and so um, I had a buddy who's a, a mortgage broker here and he said he was quoting six rates in the sixes again, which that, yeah. you know, they were an eight just a couple months ago. Um, yeah. so, so I think if they do that, then obviously that, that gives people more confidence, which means the stock stock market will rally. And, you know, so it, it does appear that way, but I still feel like when my sentiment from people that email and the people I talk to is they're still scraping by living paycheck to paycheck, not being able to afford things, you know? Oh, I think that, dude, I think so too. Like, it's funny because I, I read the, uh, you know, I read the headlines about stuff and it's like, you know, and not you know, to go into the politics things like Bidenomics is working and all this stuff. And when I talk to people, I'm like, dude, people are struggling right now, like really struggling. Um, and I think I told one of our other guests um, a while back, like I've had more, we've had more requests for payment plans on info, on our info products, our courses than I've ever seen before. And like, even like, and we've done some of that to see like, okay, do we need to do that? Like, is that, you know, we've tested it out because the risk always is like, if you do payment plans, like some people will buy a course and then just like cancel their credit card, which sucks. Um, but like, we even put out some, like we tested a really low payment plan for like 12 months and they don't have interest on them or anything, but like that still wasn't enough for a lot of people. And I think some of that is like the audience that you bring in, but I just, I think that people really are struggling a lot more than it seems like right now. And you you said you're feeling the same thing. Yeah, I feel the same thing. And I think, I mean, the pinch is just like inflation. So prices, now I will say like gas has come down. Like I, yeah. it used to be people would just gripe about gas and you're like, dude, I think I paid like close to three bucks the other day or three forty or something. It was, it was like, where it was like almost six bucks before. So it's like, I think there, there was all this inflation, grocery store, gas, housing, all this stuff. It is starting to swing back, but not enough to where people feel like they have breathing room yet. Yeah. Yeah, dude. The thing that I worry about the most, um, I had Marco from Whiteboard Finance on, and he was talking about the commercial real estate sector mm-hmm. and how like there is like there there is a there there are really bad things on the horizon because of the lack of of space that's actually being rented out and all these people are sitting on these kind of bad loans and no there's no tenants and so like I I went to downtown Houston actually just last weekend and we were going we did this like we did this like a it was like a tour of all the kind of some of the biggest skyscrapers and stuff in in the Houston area and there's so much empty space like it it was wild how many empty floors there were in these wow. buildings and like they're having trouble getting people to come back to work and they're you think about that it's like i wonder if that's going to be the next big thing i feel like it's either that or if i had a crystal ball the car loan stuff because you see have you seen car loans like how long they're getting stretched out for these yep. crazy vehicles yeah i mean and the average car loan was like over 700 bucks a month or something ridiculous and i'm like yeah. that's 
So, yeah, so there's there's an example from, and I don't know if you consider this commercial, but it's like large residential, like big apartment complex in San Francisco. They had like a floating note. It was worth 500 million. They owe 389 million. They went to go get it appraised and it appraised at like 269 million. So they can't get financing because they owe 389. It's only worth 260. And, you know, they probably had 3% on it. Now they got to get it at eight. And you're like, dude, there's so much of that type of stuff out there that is real mm. that we just don't know what kind of effect that could have on the rest. Like, yeah, it scares me a little bit. It scares yeah. me a little bit. I'm like, oh, man, because I feel like uh, like especially just being a business owner, like I, I feel fortunate that like my businesses have survived over the last five years just because like, dude, like the pandemic, like I, I had no idea. Like I was trying to like close. There was like this uh, big sponsor deal that I was trying to close, like literally as the shutdowns were happening. Um, and there were just so many examples of that of like I felt like I was just grinding and to make sure that everything sort of like survived through all that time. And it's like, I feel like we're kind of on the other side of that now. And then yeah. it's like, now it feels like there's about to be another shoe to drop. But I feel like through your time being an entrepreneur, has that, has it always felt that way where it's like, you're always having to do the next thing to make sure the business grows or whatever. Yeah. So I think we, I mean, over the years, it's, it was like the, the first thing I think I got the most money from was AdSense, you know? And then it was like, well, that wasn't a lot of money. And then uh, Facebook, you know, Facebook sending traffic. And then it was Pinterest. Uh, and then it was Google for a long time. It's like, it's kind of like this constant adapting to like, what, what are, what's the best way to get in front of people? What's the best way to uh, get traffic for less? Um, you know, how, how to make things efficient. Um, now with AI, you're like, should I have AI content? Should I have writers? You know, like, it's like, there's so many things to constantly adapt, right? Like, and I'm a guy that I really like consistency. And so yeah. it really, it really kind of like makes me uncomfortable when I'm like, okay, <laughs> now I have to figure out how do I integrate AI into my business? Cause it's not going away. And is there a way to do it in a way that, you know, still has my personality and still helps people and is accurate and you know, all that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. yeah, it's a constant, constant struggle. Have you ever thought about just going back and getting like a, a regular job? Cause I think about this all the time. Dude. So kind of funny story. I applied for a position with Dave Ramsey. What? And I, and I did breaking not, news? Uh, I did not get it. Yeah. So this is, this is personal finance gossip here. Uh, <laughs> No, but this is actually right before he had the rant on the 8% withdrawal rate. Did you hear oh, about yeah. that? Yeah, Marco and I talked about that when he came on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, and it, but it's so funny because I was like, dude, I really, I don't think I could ever work for him. I would say I align with him on like 80% of the stuff, right? Well, I shouldn't even say that, maybe 70, right? Like I still use credit cards. Uh, I don't think, you know, mutual funds are a good idea for the most part. I think most people could just buy index funds, set it and forget it. Like, so I think there, there are things where there'd be enough of like uh, butting a heads that like he wants people that drink his Kool-Aid, right? And if you don't right. drink his Kool-Aid, you're probably not going to be a good fit for his organization. So, but I was just thinking like, hey, if I was to work for somebody that's making a large impact in the personal finance world, who would it be? I mean, he's the guy that comes to mind, right? Like, at least for me. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like maybe Marco, but no. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what, what kind of gig did you apply for? Like a, a per personality job. So really? basically, yeah, I'd be mean, his investing personality. Whoa. What's the, what's the process like of, of trying to, to get that job? So this is the second time that I've done it. So the first time I did it, I was a nobody. I was just getting started. 
Um, they flew out a recruiter um, to, to meet with me. He took me to some fancy restaurant, um, mm-hmm. you know, talked about all the details. He told me about like Dave Ramsey's plan to transition from, you know, being a personality to having, you know, yeah. more of a, a, a group of personalities. Um, and so kind of what your point was where he diversified his revenue over all these other people. Um, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I'd love to be a part of something like that. Um, and, you know, obviously he's built like an amazing business and he helps millions of people. I mean, I've gone to his conferences. I mean, dude, he fills stadiums. Like he gets energized. Like I, yeah. I feel good when I come out of it. Right. Like I'm like, I, the guy's doing some, some magic, you know? And so, um, so, but I would just say they are, they are like strongly vetting. I mean, they've had some bad things with like Chris Hogan. They yeah. had, uh, um, oh, that other guy that, um, John, it's like, he wrote a book that like, um, he's like a comedian kind of guy that that worked for him for a while. I forget his last name, but anyways, um, but he's had some personalities and you got to imagine like they have to fly out there. They move their families there. They sell their houses in their old place. Like it's a complete, like they got to make sure that everybody is like, you're going to be on the team for the next 30 years, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm definitely not that guy. (laughs) So did you, how far did, like, was it just on the second time you just like got to the application process? Like, or did it go, did you talk to a recruiter again or? Yeah. So, I mean, the first time around, I think it was like, you send a video interview and they ask you a bunch of questions and then you have a recruiter and then you just kind of keep going down that line. And at some point they're like, okay, the last, not the last part. One of the last parts is you fly out to Nashville and you have to give us talk to the entire Ramsey Solutions team. Whoa. And that's kind of like, uh, okay, so you want to be a personality, like your goal, you're going to be speaking on these different things. Now come speak to our organization about it. So Dang. I didn't get to that level. I got, Dang, that's, that. that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, was that, you were just, I mean, are you interested in any other kind of gig like that? Does like Ramit Sethi have anything like that? Like, is there, are there more jobs like that out there that, that sound cool? Not, not, I mean, I don't even know if that sounded cool. I mean, it sounded cool in the sense of like, I don't know when my business is tied to Google, you know, yeah. and when Google's not doing well, you're kind of like, well, snap, like, unless I have another way to get in front of people, that's going to drive traffic and revenue. Like I need to yeah. figure something out in my space. Uh, but what I found is I'm the king of Bing. So, you know, <laughs> if Bing ever takes over and wins their lawsuit, uh, I'm going I'm to crush it. But uh, you know, we still get traffic from Pinterest and other sources. And so um, we're doing okay. It's just one of those things where I got to, you know, that whole book, Good to Great, where it was talking about yeah. businesses went from good to great. Well, there's businesses that failed, right? Circuit mm-hmm. City was one of them. I forget what the other one was. Um, so he wrote this other book called Built to Last. And it's all about being able to adapt in yeah. these times, right? That's where companies either fail or thrive. And I really do think like adapting to podcast, video is where it's at. And I think if we can do that, there's no reason to go, you know, look for another job or try to get something in an, in an industry. So, yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, that's why I've put out as many courses as I've put out over the last, I don't know, two year, two years, just because of that, dude, it's like, man, you know, things are, are going well right now, but like, I feel like the more that we can have our revenue, not tied to affiliate marketing and Google and just, you know, anything that we can control more, is the way to go. And so we've just been putting out a lot of courses, but, um, but yeah, man, I definitely, I definitely, uh, I feel you on the wanting to diversify away from Google. I hate Google so much, <laughs> but I'm not, well, knock on wood. Cause I like Google too. Um, 
but yeah, man, I don't have, I mean, I don't have any other questions for you. I didn't actually have prepared questions. We're hitting about an hour. My kid's going to wake up soon. So, um, can you, uh, tell everybody where to find you? Where do, where do they, uh, subscribe, like all that kind of stuff? Yeah. Best place. Wellkeptwallet.com. And then, uh, YouTube is, uh, wellkeptwallet is our handle and love to connect with anybody and, uh, help you any way I can. I saw Do you also have like a personal account too? I do. Yeah. Okay. Do they subscribe there or no? Uh, no, I would, no. I would <laughs> cause it's more of like a test account. It's something I've had for a long time. There's a lot of stuff on there. I think I have my cousin jumping on a Tempur-Pedic bed with, <laughs> with like a glass of wine to see if it's going to spill, you know, like there's, there's not much that they're going to okay. get on there. So don't go there, go to well-kept wallet. <laughs> I mean, if you want to laugh, you go there, but if, yeah, I would say well-kept wallet if you want to learn something or. Awesome, yeah. man. Cool. Well, thanks, bro. I appreciate it.